I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM, and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO, 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. My name is Andrew Downs, and I'm joined in studio tonight by two of my favorite guests. It's uh, Trent Condon. Hey, what's happening? And Joe Schmelka. Joe, what's up, man? A lot of good stuff going on, man. A lot. I'm in here with you two. What could be better? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's Penn a Penn State game. Who cares? It's <laughs> exactly. being here with you two. That's it's, more fun. It's going to be a fun, fun show. we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we'll uh, we'll look ahead to Purdue and, uh, and kind of beyond that. You know, what Iowa should expect, what we should expect from Iowa, and uh, kind of what we see as we move through Purdue into the bye week and then through the rest of the Big Ten West, hopefully into Indianapolis and uh, and beyond. But before we do that, I do want to look back, Joe. You mentioned that Penn State game. I know you were in the stadium. You've been in, in the stadium for a lot of big games. Uh, last week, you and I on this show talked about your experience in 1985, one versus two in Michigan. I know you were there then. Uh, I guess just first off, all I've heard this week, and I wasn't in Kinnick on Saturday, is that that's as loud as that place has ever been. That's kind of the most energy people have ever felt in that stadium. What was it like to be there for you? Well, we're, we're in the north end zone. We're in those Kinnick Edge club seats, the new area that they uh, redid, I guess, two or three years ago. And Kirk, the big thing there, I remember talking to Gary Barta, Kirk wanted more noise. He wanted noise to stay in the stadium because these other stadiums, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, they have such huge advantages with noise. Um, Kinnick is a unique stadium that the fans are right up on top of the players because there's no track or anything in the inside there. And we're really close to the players. And that's a huge, that's a big advantage. But that north end zone, Whoever designed it, I don't know who the engineering group was, but it worked. Um, I added it up. I think I've been to over 200 Hawkeye games between being a student there and then, you know, also being a season ticket holder for 22, 23, 24 years since I moved back here from Dallas in the late 90s. And I've never, I just, you couldn't talk to the person next to you. Wow. Let alone, and and I was down on the field a couple weeks earlier, you know, with my dad doing that military hero thing. And if it's loud in the stands, it's ten times louder down on the field. I, I couldn't believe how loud it was down there that day when I was when I was down there. I've been down there a couple times, but it was really loud. Anyway, I, yeah, it definitely never never felt it as loud. Uh, the design of the of the north end zone, it, it, it's like it pushes the noise up and then just curls it over. It's almost like a wave, and it just comes right back down on top. Uh, is the way I would describe it. So it was, you know, it was absolutely awesome i mean it was just it was just one of the best times i've had and and one of the things i've heard over and over is like people didn't sit down you were kind of standing the whole game like i've heard people who were sore for several days afterwards right because you're just on your feet and trent i know you were kind of in the other end of Mm -hmm. the stadium uh and obviously it exploded with the touchdown right the the big moment we don't have a name for that yet we need to dub that play something because that's that's an epic play in hawkeye history hopefully not the last one this season uh but from all accounts, it, like that energy was sustained from you know pregame all the way through the, the you know awesome field storm. You just rolling into the stadium, you know, rolling up to our tailgate spot five six hours beforehand, and then getting well lubricated. That's always great. It's, tailgates are always fun, but you could just feel the energy right as you get out of the car. It was there. It was palpable. Didn't, didn't you think too? Uh, I've never been to a game where the crowd was seated. Like 15 minutes before the right. Oh, yeah. wow. I'm yeah. one of those guys that likes to go in early, and I, and I like to see them kind of warming up and practicing punts and whatever. I want to make sure that I'm there for you know everything in the flyover, obviously back in black and, and the band playing the whole bit. But it seemed – there wasn't even really anybody streaming in at kickoff. It was like everybody was in their seats, and they were doing the, you know, the normal I-O-W-A. It was like it was the fourth quarter of a game. I mean, like you said, we were ready. And I mean, the, the crowd really was ready. From the get-go. And even yeah. down 17-3, yeah. it didn't slow down. And it continued. And after Clifford gets knocked out, it had that feeling. Now, of course, we didn't even know. It's, it's 17-10. 
I know national media wants to say it was 17-3. No, it wasn't. Sean Clifford doesn't play defense. When he would have come in next, the score was 17-10. So we got to get that right and help those people out with that one. But even at that moment, knowing Clifford was not returning to the game, it just felt inevitable, at least to me, that they were going to get there. Now, I didn't think they were going to get there with the pass to Reganey. I thought it was going to be 22-20 on a couple of field goals as opposed to the one touchdown that did it there. But because of the struggles that they were having, because of the eight false starts in the crowd, in that moment, you're down, but you never feel down inside I, I, yourself. I agree. I, I never felt like we were out of that game. No. I, I had the, it was almost a weird uh, uh, karma, a weird feeling of just somewhere or another, we're going to come back and win this thing. Yep. And, and there was no reason. To think. I mean, our offense wasn't doing anything. Their defense was playing great. Um, I, I thought at halftime when it was 17-10, I thought, well, they're not going to score any more points. Right. And then they went down and scored. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, man, I thought we could come back from seven points down because I thought same thing, maybe some field goals and stuff. But I didn't know if we'd come back from ten points down. And, hey, give them all the credit in the world. Keegan Johnson made an incredible play. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, obviously, the the play to uh, Reganey was, was just off the charts. Yeah. So your perspective in the end zone, it was coming towards you. Yeah. For me – I could see that play set up. So I'm on the opposite corner of you. And as you see Petrus rolling out there, I saw Regani cross past the linebacker, safety, whoever it was there. And as soon as it was, I grabbed my wife's arm, <laughs> wide open. I just, and it, you can see it developing. And then he leaves his hand, and it felt like that ball oh, was in the sky forever. for 20 minutes. It just, it wouldn't come <laughs> down. And then it finally does. And then you see the defender that kind of maybe has an angle. They're not going to get a touchdown out of this. And and all these thoughts are happening within five seconds. You know, it's just that play, though. I'm like you. I've been to, counted up about 150 games in Kinnick throughout my life. Been there a lot. I've seen basically every big game since the mid-90s that have been in Kinnick. Not just the sound, but the environment, the celebration, all these things coming together. Think back. When Iowa throttles Ohio State 55-24, coming off a disappointing loss to Penn State the week before the Michigan game and, and how they did that. This was the, at the time, fourth-ranked team in the country against a third-ranked team, and we got it done. It was just a completely different feeling, I think, because of those components. Yeah, like you said, I've seen about 200 games in there, I think, or you know, and, and it just – it was just incredible. But I, but I agree with you 100%. That ball was in the air too long. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I did the same thing with my wife. I go, oh, my God, he's so wide open. He's – look at him. He's so wide open. And and then everybody, you could just see it, and it just was going to come down. It was kind of like the Holloway, mm-hmm. you know, pass, you know, back in the what was that, the Outback Bowl, yeah, and and, and it one. just it, or Capital One, one. Yeah. I mean, and it just came, it just it just took forever, and all of a sudden it was there, and you're like, and then he scored. Now, I really couldn't believe he scored because I was like, oh man, we've been down here inside, we've had first and goal twice, yes. and all we ended up was getting field goals. Mm-hmm. We need a touchdown, and he dove and. Boom, he was there. Yeah, what, what a big play by him. Uh, and it, it was very similar to the first half touchdown where Charlie Jones, I mean, he's the reason they scored that touchdown. It wasn't, I mean, it was a good throw by oh. Petrus, but it was the effort play by him. Now, did, did he actually get in? Eh, yeah, eh. Probably not. But that, was, they, that was iffy, but they reviewed it, they reviewed gave, it, reviewed they it. They did. I know, I was surprised. Was like, didn't look like he was, and it was right in front of us. Yeah. And then you mentioned the Keegan Johnson play that oh. set him up for the field goal that you know ultimately set him up for the touchdown. But, I mean, the, the play he made as a freshman to have that strength to power through a tackle and to get all yeah. the way inside the 10, uh, just incredible. And then, you know, you have to talk about the defense. Man, they, they just keep saying Iowa gets lucky with these turnovers. Iowa can't sustain this with these turnovers. Well, we're halfway through the season, and it's pretty well sustained at this point. Four interceptions, two against Clifford. Yes. Um, and, and just a, another – Great performance by this defense, and 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 something that I didn't think was going to happen this year. I mean, I thought when we lost Nixon, you know, think how good this team. He's supposed yeah. to be a yeah, senior. Right. Think how good this team would be if we had Nixon. But the defensive line is putting pressure on people, and and we're doing blitzes, and we're blitzing so much better than we used to. Seth Benson and uh, and Campbell, like they're the two best blitzing linebackers. Mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I mean, I don't know why. It seems like our other linebackers in the past, they'd like run right straight into an offensive lineman. It was like, dude, try and avoid him. Go around him. I mean, do something a little different. But these guys, and you know, and, and going to Clifford's injury, uh, I, I did finally see somebody else pointed out on uh, on social media today. I think he originally got hurt when he went in for the touchdown. And if you go back and watch that when he, he did his little quarterback draw and he went in for the touchdown, Seth Benson hits him oh. right in that back lower right kidney area and he if you watch him down you gotta really i mean you gotta practically stop it 
uh, I got a DVR thing, and and he grimaces hard right there. And then when he gets hit by Campbell, and then when they show him walking into the locker room, he's kind of bent over to his left, and he's holding mm. that spot where where uh, where I think Benson really popped him hard. And then I think Campbell, you know, took him down again, and and just. That was that was the end. Well, of you know that's and, and as Kirk that's would football. say, that's, yeah, that's football, right? Yeah. And and he he talked about it in the post game. It's a clean hit. It's a fair hit, and that's what you get when you let a guy come in like Jack Campbell and, and make a play like that. You put your quarterback out there, and then I mean, you know, it's an indictment of James Franklin and that coaching staff that they didn't have anybody ready to go. I mean, Taquan Roberson, that that's a hard position to be put in. Yeah. There's no oh. doubt, but that offense should not have looked that bad. I mean, three straight false starts a couple of times, eight total false starts. Again, I know it was a hard I know it was a hard environment. Uh, I know that's a tough situation. We've seen it when uh, when Ricky Stanzi went down against mm-hmm. Northwestern. It's yep. a hard thing to recover from, but that's part of the game. It is part of the game, and a part of that, too, is Penn State tried. Of course, Will Levis left, and now he's got Kentucky with Mark Stoops undefeated yes. in the SEC as they get ready for Georgia. Yeah, but, maybe they take them You know, they, they tried to get somebody, A, to actually win the job. Because a lot of Penn State fans didn't think Clifford was a guy to elevate them past a 9-3, and 10-2 type season, but to win the Big Ten. And so they looked and couldn't get any takers. So that's what's going to happen. But this is also a new age of college football. Yes. With the transfer market the way that it is and quarterbacks right. so quickly moving, yeah. that shows you the difficult nature for offensive coordinators and offensive staffs in general of having that second guy ready. Because normally you do have somebody there. Will Levis in the old days would still be the backup, and they would have been at least okay. Here, that's not the case anymore, and, and something to think about, too, for Iowa. Because Petrus, yeah. he's still got more eligibility. You know, yeah. What does that mean for the young quarterbacks that are already on campus when you have mean? that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's not like Taquan Roberson has never played football before. It's not like he's not a great athlete. I mean, and we've seen Iowa. I mean, we saw it on Saturday. You don't even have to go back into history. You saw on Saturday backup quarterbacks come in in Oklahoma and lead their team to yeah, a victory. Sure. So, like, there, there was a part of me that was a little worried, you know, seeing Taquan Roberson come in. Like, uh-oh, here's a guy we didn't plan for, a guy who's a little quicker on his feet. Yeah, exactly. Um, while we're talking injuries... Let's just talk quickly about the the fainting <laughs> Nittany Lions. I mean, obviously, so I, I'm in a bar watching the game. I'm not listening real closely to Joel Klatt and, and Gus Johnson, but I'm on Twitter, and I'm hearing the boos. And it hadn't really occurred to me at that point, but then, then I start noticing, I start taking notice. Uh, you start having people say, well, these guys are coming right back into the game. And it's not all of them, mm-hmm. right? There were certainly legitimate injuries there. but um, Coincidental happened after – a big play. Yeah, just about when, every when time Goodson had a big a play. they momentum stop. And, yes. like, and, and this whole thing about tempo and Iowa doesn't play, that's nah, not what it's about. It's not, not about coming quickly to the line. It's it's the play-action pass. It's you know just getting Goodson right back into that play. This is what Iowa does. They gain momentum on a drive like that, even if they don't go Any you know, quickly. Does. Absolutely. Any offense does. Uh, so I guess what was it like in the stadium there when you guys start to realize, hey, wait a minute, there's a pattern here, and it's, uh, it's, it's not great. There's usually grumbling – when it's just an injury, you don't see a guy's leg snap. You know, you don't. Okay, you know, especially yeah. after your team makes a big play. That's there's grumbling, and then there's a second one. There are a few more grumbles, and by the third, the boo birds were really coming, and then it continued, and it continued and continued, and because of that, if it was after hey, a guy makes a two yard tackle for loss, all right, you're kind of grumbling. Your team just made a play. You're yeah. excited. You're yeah. ready to get into it. Here we go. We're finally moving the football. Yes. And, and, here, come, and yeah. here comes a couple of trainers out there again. And it was the booze. It wasn't booing a kid for getting hurt. That's no. not what it was. It was of course not. And James Franklin, you know, coming and saying those kind of things. Yeah. Don't lie. The reason I hate Urban Meyer is because he's a liar. And James Franklin, you're becoming a liar. Yeah. I don't like liars. Kirk yeah. Ferentz isn't a liar. No. You can say a lot of things about Kirk. A liar is not one of them. And, and his response has been outstanding, I think. And don't forget, this isn't the first time this happened to us. Everybody's talking about, well, it happened against Michigan State a few years ago. It did. But, yeah, you know, I had an older guy behind us, okay? And he was there for – he said he was there anyway. Did this uh, this happened in Notre Dame. Yes, yeah, right. that was in the Irish. 50s, yes. I think, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that was when uh, – that, that, so it has happened. And there's there, – you know, our, our fans have seen it. It's not something that everybody just made up and started booing. I mean, we, we've been through this two times before this, and it was. It was just bizarre. Particularly and, the last one, when number 17. Yes. I mean, he's walking along, playing, and all of a sudden he just falls down. Collapses. And just sits there, and he sits there for five minutes. And then they get up, and, and then he, he goes off the field. And, and then he's back in the next play. 
And, and I mean, I'll be honest, I, I, I take like I was seven, watching a soccer game. Yeah, right, exactly. Or yeah, <laughs> a, a basketball game. Yeah, Marcus Smart on the basketball court. Yeah, I, yeah. I take some of my cues on stuff like this from Kirk Ferentz. And had he come out yesterday in his press availability uh, and said, yeah, and or, or brushed off a question or not brought it up or anything like that, uh, I, I would have taken it a certain way. When Kirk Ferentz takes the time to give like a 90-second answer to this question and not just you know defend the fans, which he did, but hey, they have code names for this, and I know their code names for this. We have two guys in our building who have been on staffs where this is a, a practice. We don't do it, and yep. I don't like it, but this is a thing that happens in college football, and you're naive to think it doesn't, and when it's that coincidental as it was Saturday afternoon, you're, you, you border on naive to think that, that it wasn't purposeful. If we had lost the game... And he brought this up. Okay, yes. sour grapes. Yes. Whatever you want to say. Yeah. We won the game. Yeah. He didn't have to bring it up. No. It's not Kirk's nature to bring some kind of controversy up. In fact, he goes out of his way the other way, right? Yes. And, and so for him to bring this up, it's like, you know what? He's seen, and he's seen a lot more film than the fans have seen uh, of the game and who was dropping and when they were dropping. Yeah, they've done I mean, the studies of he, you know, how long these guys he were knew out. What and, was going, he yes. knew what was going on. So anyway, yeah, yeah. It, it it's a non-event. Who cares? You know, we beat them 23-20. We're the number two team in the country. And if we see them again in the in the Big Twin oh, championship I so. game, I hope great. so. And they'll provide a lot of motivation for both of us, we, right? We'll pick off Clifford five times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, one other great thing from the game, uh, obviously Tory Taylor, who, oh. who may be the midseason MVP. I'll throw that out to you guys because we asked that on Murph and Andy earlier this week, and I think he's my pick because in the two biggest games, Iowa State and Penn State, I think he's been the MVP of the team. But I also think we're overshadowing, or he is overshadowing, maybe we are overlooking Caleb Shudak and, and just how yes. good he has been. You know, we fall in love with kickers at Iowa, and yeah. rightfully so. Field goals are important to this offense they always have been uh, but because Tory Taylor is so great and what he is doing because Charlie Jones is so much fun uh, I do think we are overlooking a little bit how solid Caleb Shudak has been and how important he's been in some of these wins you know a story too that goes along with it remember this is a six-year senior this is a guy that yeah, without around. a COVID year wouldn't have eligibility right. remaining but he stuck around and it was neck and neck I still maintain if Keith Duncan does not kick that field goal to beat Michigan his freshman year Last year, three years, we would have seen Caleb Shudak. But he had built up enough. And Kirk had said many times, it was close. But he had the Michigan kick. Yes. And that was the difference. We know Shudak obviously had the stronger leg. He was a kickoff guy for all those times. But without that kick, I don't think we really would know Keith Duncan because I think Shudak would have been that good. I don't know. I can't scout kickers for the next level. But that kick into the wind, a 48-yarder, and just absolutely nails right up the gut. It was, like, it was like a great drive yes. from a golfer. It, just, it had a little bit of a, just a little bit of a baby draw, yeah. and it was just a perfect height. And it was just it just drove right through the wind. I agree with you 100. For a guy that dad kicked at Iowa State, didn't win the job. It would have been very easy for him to find a home somewhere yeah. in college football. He stuck it out. He's around for six years. Congratulations to him. And that also shows you something about this program too. That a guy is willing to do that as opposed to taking another way out. You don't think our friends up in Ames would love to have that guy the last three years? <laughs> Maybe talk about sure. a different program. And then Tory Taylor, I mean, you just have to mention just oh. how th that first punt, I mean, the hit on the one and come backwards the way it did, and then, you know, for the Gunners to get down there and, and stop, the, I mean, the – the field position, it's something that's being talked about a lot now because Iowa has the best field position in the country, and it's because of, I mean, yeah. partially because of Charlie Jones, partially because of these other things. The defense is so good, but Torrey Taylor and the weapon he has become for this Hawkeye team I really think can't be overvalued. I, I, I'd have to put like four people up there in consideration for MVP. Torrey Taylor be one, obviously, for all the things that you just said. I think Terry Roberts has played phenomenal. I'm talking about a gunner and, and what he's doing. And he stepped in, and, and people are talking about, well, Penn State wouldn't have gone down without – he shut Dotson down. Yeah, he did. Our second string cornerback shut. That guy wasn't open at any time, okay, to make a play. And, and you know, if, if he was such a great player, boom, he should have been open and it should have made it a lot easier on, on their quarterback. The third one would be Campbell. I, I think he's made some great plays. And they pointed out on the broadcast uh, that the only two games we lost last year, Campbell wasn't available. He didn't oh, play wow. in either one That's of those right. games. because I he forgot about that. So he's – like that dude is twelve he's and got zero. Twenty more tackles than anybody yeah, on the team. Yeah, he's twelve and zero since he came <laughs> in. That just gives our our defense a whole other dimension. And then, uh, oh my God, now I forgot my fourth one. I had a fourth one. Uh, Was it Riley Moss? 
Well, you got, you got to go Riley Moss I mean, in Linderbaum, there, Linderbaum, I think, is yeah. a guy you got to talk about. Oh, Shudak. I was thinking yeah. Shudak, yeah. yeah. Shudak, yeah. Goodson, who, I mean, maybe he's been not quite as great as we all hoped he would be this year, but he's still got a way, well over 500 yards. He's still the biggest threat on that offense, I think. Um, I think you could probably make a case. Don't punch me, Trent, for Spencer Petrus. <laughs> no, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to. He, he's, he's not... He's not going to ever overwhelm anybody, but he hasn't made the mistake, and he has made the play when he's needed to, and there was never more evident than that that throw to Ganey. The growth the last two weeks from Petrus has not been, yes, there's been improvements in the game, and we've seen that, but the toughness, yeah. that component. Oh, I didn't know if that was true. That was, that's nothing, he's a California kid. No, nothing like that. He just, I don't know, you watched him last year, and even as they were rolling as the season went on, it wasn't because Spencer Petras had taken it to another level. I, I just think everybody else had kind of stepped up. But for him to deliver, down 17-3, that pass where he knew again he was going to get hit underneath the chin strap, he was going to take one. And he stood in there, and he delivered a beautiful pass to Regani to make that one, to sell that play action, to roll out and make that throw and stand in. Same kind of thing. Pressure could be coming on your back, but he's going to do there. Some of the runs that he had. Yeah. The physical nature of this guy is not overly athletic. Not going to wow you with a lot of things, but the dude, he's tough. He's one of the few he, tough Californians. He, he does need to go over to the baseball team for some sliding practice. When he <laughs> slid, oh, that I, I was surprised he got up from that. And uh, I, I agree with that. that that's something I, I didn't really take. He, his toughness is phenomenal, and he doesn't lose games. You know, Brock Purdy, oh, everybody would have said Brock yeah. Purdy's a better quarterback. Brock Purdy loses games. Yes, he does. I don't care what you say. He makes horrible decisions and loses games. Petrus doesn't do that. Now, and, and obviously his leadership, uh, not just on the field, but in that program. I mean, there's a reason this coaching staff has been behind him from day one. Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason that the, these, this team has kind of rallied around him. And let's just talk about that for a moment. I mean, the, the night and day stark difference that we have as we sit here today and talk about the culture of this program compared to not just what it was last summer when they were embroiled in all of this, but after an 0-2 start last season. And it really, I mean, Joe, you and I sat in the studio and talked about this thing's falling apart. And if they can't figure it out, maybe it is time for Ferentz to go. Maybe, maybe we do have to hit reset on this whole thing. Maybe he has lost it. That was less and, than a year ago. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was less than a year ago. And now we're sitting here and he's he's has maybe his greatest season of all time. I mean, that that's what I'm expecting at this point, uh, which is nuts to say in his 23rd year, period. But let alone to have it come after that, see the way that these guys care about each other, the way they talk about each other. I mean, one of the reasons I hesitate to say an MVP of this defense is because that's a that's an 11 man defense. That that's oh, not there, definitely there are stars on that defense like Jack Campbell. That's not a star driven defense that that's a defense Everybody and, makes and you can tell the way they talk about each other you can tell the way they interact with each other the 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 culture around this program even Kirk himself you hear him say things that you've never heard him say before you can kind of tell which coaches he likes and doesn't just by the way he talks about these guys which was never the case for 20 years yeah. uh, the culture around this program right now and how different it was two years ago a year ago I, this is where I hoped we would get but never really knew if it was possible and to have it happen this quickly is, is remarkable yeah and, and I think there's just an incredible bond as bad as things were last summer and, and they went all through that and they uh, I mean I've heard some of the stuff that was said in some of the meetings and it was oh boy you know like Doyle's son was in there and mm -hmm. stuff and it was uh, there was anger there yeah. was there was yeah and, and it all kind of bubbled out and, and instead of freaking out over it and everything like that I think Kirk somewhat calmly Hold it back together and and, and and made lemonade out of a lemon. And made some changes to, made, to the way so. he does things, the way well, he thinks Reganey. about things. You see Reganey take his helmet off? I mean, he has 12 earrings, and I don't know if he's got a nose <laughs> yeah. ring or not. But, but, you know, that stuff, I just look and I go, oh, man, Kirk would never have allowed that. Right? Well, and kind of taking that a step further. So as they're going through that last summer, and it wasn't Kirk, this wasn't lip service. You, I think we can all tell. There was real work that was yes. done here. And it <laughs> wasn't just listening. Okay, I hear you. And then you move on. It was, all right, how are we going to fix that? Mm -hmm. But with Doyle now out of the program, there was a, a sense of almost a robotic nature to Iowa football. Where Iowa football, you know, they're going to be good. They're going to put guys in the league. It was just rinse and repeat. Here we are. There's a reason, though, that there'd be those letdowns. There'd be the losses to Western Michigan or Central Michigan or North Dakota State. You know, those ones where it just wasn't fire. They just were going out to play another game. That's not the case anymore. Look at that sideline. You've been to 200 yeah. games at Kinnick. I've been to 150. Right. Most of those under Kirk. And I'll tell you, the sideline this year 
is completely different than anything in his 23 years. And I think that's a part of it, knowing that Good point. we don't have to be robotic anymore. Yeah. We can show some personality, and we can still win a hell of a lot of football games too, but that personality maybe is what led to what they are right now. Hopefully there's a lot of football games to be won yet this season. We will talk about that. Obviously, the Purdue game, the homecoming game coming up this week before a bye, and then we run through the Big Ten West and uh, and hopefully run through the Big Ten West. You're listening to the Hawkeye Nation radio show. Andrew Downs, Trent Condon, Joe Schmelka here on KXNO. It's 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. If you missed any of the first segment, check it out on the podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com or wherever you get your podcasts, just search Hawkeye Nation. Let's get an inside look at the Purdue Boilermakers. And my guest today covers Purdue for the Journal and Courier in Lafayette. It's Mike Carmen. Mike, thank you for the time today. Thanks for having me. Mike, no Hawkeye fan is taking this game lightly. We know that Jeff Brom has had the Iowa's number for for four years now. We know what David Bell can do. We also know that a lot of teams see a chance to play spoiler to Iowa and knock off a number two team. What's your sense of how Purdue as a program and, and as a fan base feels about this game this weekend? Well, uh, they, they know the success that Purdue's had the uh, in three of the last four years and you know, part of that, you know, they're they're banking on that to, to kind of happen again. But uh, if you listen to Jeff Brom during his Monday uh, press conference, uh, what they did those first two years as far as going over the top of Iowa's defense, he said that's no longer the case. They don't they don't allow that anymore. Uh, so uh, Purdue's going to have to figure out some different ways to try to attack that high Iowa defense. You know, I think they're they're keeping everything kind of in front of them uh, from a secondary standpoint. Uh, you know, maybe maybe what Jeff did, maybe what Purdue did those first couple years, you know, forced them to revamp, you know, some of the things that they did uh, or it, it exposed a little bit of a weakness. Uh, but uh, Purdue's going to have to find a different way to, to move the ball other than just trying to take deep shots all day. So uh, with that, you know, the, the fan base, you know, holds on to that hope a little bit, but uh, they also know that, Purdue's own struggles right now in the, in the red zone as far as scoring touchdowns is something that needs to get solved if they're if they're going to have a chance to to win that game on Saturday. Is is David Bell healthy and and if so, who's going to be throwing him the ball Saturday afternoon? Yeah, David Bell's healthy. He played in the Minnesota game, um, you know, a couple weeks after sustaining the concussion at Notre Dame, uh, and you know, Aiden O'Connell right now is the starting quarterback. It uh, doesn't mean that uh, Purdue won't use multiple quarterbacks in this game, but uh, you know, all signs point to Aiden O'Connell starting this game. And you know, he played he played against Iowa last year uh, in the season opener, you know, the October season season opener of 2020. <laughs> right. Uh, and you know, David Bell caught 13 passes. He's caught 13 passes in in two games against Iowa. So I know he has the attention of the Iowa defense. But yeah, as of as of right now, it's you know it's O'Connell, and, and he'll he'll be trying to get the ball to David Bell as much as possible. All right, who else should Iowa fans be looking for when when Purdue has the ball? Who else is dangerous on that offense? Well, they're gonna, uh, they're supposed to get their tight end back. They're starting tight end back this week, Payne Durham. Uh, he went out uh, of the Illinois game with a concussion. Uh, didn't play against Minnesota, and then Purdue had the off week, so uh, he he did practice Sunday, according to Jeff Brom, and all signs point to him playing. Uh, he, he's got nine career touchdown passes and eight have come in the red zone. Uh, so if you, you know, he, he's a big weapon in this offense along with David Bell. And, you know, I think the, they should have both of their, their bo- both their passing weapons uh, available for this game. And that, that does help 
kind of stretch the defense out a little bit and create some openings. You know, and the, it, it, Purdue struggled to run the ball consistently this year, but King Drew uh, did have 95 yards of uh, of rushing uh, against Minnesota, and if they can build on that, you know, that would be a positive uh, for Purdue. Um, I mean, did you want me to touch on defensively? Yeah, who, yeah, who absolutely. Yeah, who who should we be looking for on defense as well? Uh, George Garloftis is the defensive end, and uh, you know he's a he's a surefire NFL player. Um, this will probably be his last year since he's a junior. Uh, he's having a really good year. You look at the numbers, and they don't jump out at you because he doesn't have the sacks and stuff like that. But he has the hurries, the pressures. Um, you know, he's getting held a lot, which is not being called, which is very frustrating to Jeff Brom and the Purdue fans. But that that does open up some other areas on the defensive line uh, for them to, to get some pressure in the backfield. And they, they've done that on occasion. They just need to do it a little bit more. Uh, they should get Corey Trice back, a cornerback. He's a, he's a 6'3 guy, um, long and lanky and re- really athletic. Uh, and they, they've played pretty well in the secondary this year for the most part. Uh, I think they're limiting teams to 52% completion percentage, which is second in the second among Big Ten teams. So, you know, they, they've, their defense is a lot better than it was last year. Uh, they just need that to continue now until you know, maybe until their offense kind of catches up with them. I know how that is as, as a Hawkeye fan. Yeah, we're we're dealing with some of that same stuff over here, uh, Mike. As you look at this matchup, kind of as a whole. Uh, where do you think the, the advantages are for, for each team? You know, if, if this ends up going well for Purdue, what does that look like? And uh, conversely, if it, if it doesn't go well Saturday afternoon, what, it, what does that kind of look like for, for the Boilermakers? Well, to me, this is pretty simple for Purdue. Based on Iowa's season so far, they've feasted on turnovers. They've given the ball to the offense in excellent field position. The offense has taken advantage of that, and they've been able to beat people. I mean, that's it's pretty simple. You can't Purdue can't turn the ball over, and you know, if they do, they're going to lose. That's just that's that's the bottom line, and their offense is going to have to stay on the field. Uh, that's converting third downs, um, and then if they get in the red zone, they got to score touchdowns. You know, that's that's how it has to look for Purdue. And if you're not going to get in the red zone, then you better be hitting some 50-yard bombs uh, or getting some big plays uh, to get in the end zone because you're just you're not going to win. You don't win in college football by kicking field goals every week. There are games where it happens, but this is not one of those games, you know, and Iowa obviously wants to continue to, to feast on turnovers. Um, you know, they would love to take David Bell out of the game. That's easier said than done. Um, and of course they want to lean on their running game. They want to lean on their offensive line to keep the ball, get time of possession, limit Purdue's uh, possessions, but Purdue just cannot, um, you know, they just cannot turn the ball over and they need to get some turnovers. They haven't had a turnover in three games. They've had one meaningful turnover this year that came in the opener, so they need to find a way to to turn that turn Iowa over, and that's that's really hard to do, as you as you know, that is very difficult to do because they just don't make those kind of mistakes. He is Carmen underscore JC on Twitter. Give him a follow there and follow his work at the Journal and Courier in Lafayette. Mike, thank you as always for the time. Really appreciate it today. All right, thank you for having me. All right, when we come back, Trent and Joe will join me again. We will talk more about the upcoming game against Purdue and look ahead to what we can expect for the rest of this magical season for your Iowa Hawkeyes. This is the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on 1460 AM, 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Andrew Downs, Trent Condon, Joe Schmelka here with you, taking you into your Thursday night. If you missed any of our first segment, it was a lot of fun uh, talking about the Penn State game. These guys were both inside Kinnick uh, and, and all of that. It's it's available on your podcast feed. Just search Hawkeye Nation wherever you get your podcasts. Go to HawkeyeNation.com and it'll be right there for you. Uh, but we are going to now look ahead a little bit here, guys. And uh, before we look too far ahead, let's focus focus on this week because you know it's one of these things and Trent I brought this up a couple of weeks ago I think nationally you look at Iowa's schedule now and you say well there's six easy wins mm-hmm. there's six you know they they should run through this they should be 12 and 0 and I'm I've moved into that place mentally that I, that I think Iowa should win the Big 10 West should go 6 and 0 now and go 12 and 0 into Indianapolis but 
we've been around long enough, man, and we've seen these teams. We know the nuances of these games, and this is one that, that really should, I think, scare people a little bit. I'm confident Iowa's going to win, don't get me wrong, but Jeff Brom has had Kirk Ferentz's number. They've won three of four since he got there, and David Bell has been a Hawkeye killer yes. unlike many we've ever seen. I mean, the numbers he has put up in two games against the Hawks, he is fully healthy now. He's ready to go. Uh, again, I, I, I feel confident about this game. But, man, there's a lot there. If you're looking for a reason to not feel confident, there is a lot there, isn't there, Trent? Well, and you know me extremely well. I'm more on the pessimistic side. So this game scares the crap out of yeah. me. It just <laughs> all those things you laid out, AD, are exactly right. And it wouldn't have mattered who the opponent was this week. There is going to be a letdown. There has to be an emotional letdown. As we're talking about being inside the stadium, it's not going to be the same way. It's sold out. People will be happy. be a nice day in Iowa City. But... There's nothing that can compare to what it was last week. And we're still talking about 18 to 23-year-old dudes. That's going to be there, too. The emotional component coupled with just how well Purdue has played against Iowa during this four-year run. Even go back to the one game that Kirk's actually beat Brom in. I wouldn't play that well. They were a lot better than that Purdue team. And they struggled to get by. I think it was 26-20 was the final in that one. There's components they're going to go after. Not going to have Riley Moss. Yep. Jerry Roberts was great last week, but you know Brom's going to go after him. And the thing that is different than almost any other coach of what he does is he finds something and he'll go back to it. doesn't matter if it's that French receiver from three years ago that nobody had ever heard of until that game, or if, of course, it's David Bell, who everybody's heard of here as of late. He is going to find something, and if you don't do anything to change it, he's going to go to the well time and time and time again. How do you feel about this one, Joe? Are you are you are you confident like me? Are you pessimistic like Trent? Well, where where do you where do you live? You know, we were we were talking we were talking about this before the show started, and, and that's why I think I felt somehow or another we're going to pull this this Penn State game out. I was very nervous before the game. Usually, when I'm nervous before the game, somehow or another we find a way to win, right? And right now, I'm. I'm I'm, I'm concerned more. It's like, it's almost like a rational concern about Purdue versus being nervous about him. And, and that's the wrong thing. I keep saying, get nervous. Find a way. Get nervous. Yeah. Get nervous, right? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, Bell's a phenomenal receiver. I don't know. He and Dotson, well, somehow or another, we control Dotson. See, so that, that's the thing that gives me some confidence. Control. I, we, we I think our defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've played some really good receivers this season, and nobody's really been able to have a big day against well, them. Well, we, we, we have this incredible flexibility to be able to – I mean, you can put Merriweather in there. You, you, you can take him out. You can put Jacobs, the number five, our linebacker, in there. He can stay with a tight end. He can, he can like in the Iowa State game, he can stand up a tight end – Throw him off and then get into the get into the running back yeah. and make an incredible play. Um, he's got the speed to stay with the running backs out of the backfield, whatever. And, and, and then you can come back in with Dane, you know, Belton, number four, and and he brings a, a different aspect to it. So I, I just think I just think Phil. I always want to call him Norm. I, I just think <laughs> Phil Parker can uh, can he, he's just got so much flexibility this year that I don't think he typically has, and uh, in, in the defensive backfield, and I think that's what makes us. It's hard to create that that matchup problem, and I think Rome's awesome at it. There's no doubt about it, but I think it's going to be tough. and And I don't, I don't think we lose a whole lot going from. And that's crazy to say, yeah. But Riley Moss uh, down to uh, down to Roberts. I, I I think Roberts is a heck of a player. So yeah, we'll, I saw. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it all rolls, but so much of its pressure. You know, there's there's all kinds of things that that make your defensive secondary look a little better. There's a new level of pressure on this team too from the outside. Yeah. I, mean, I I have I guess I was alive in '85. I don't remember a time when I was ranked as highly as they are right now. And now again, you've got six games against rival schools. Yeah. I mean, Big Ten West. It, it's it, these are your biggest rivals, the teams you play every year, and. I think it's even a little more dangerous that they're all kind of down this year, right? They're all yeah. having not great seasons. And so we know this as Hawkeye fans. We've seen it several times inside Kinnick Stadium. What's the thing that can take a, a bad season or a mediocre season and kind of amp it up a little mm-hmm. bit? Give you one one thing to celebrate. Give that coach, give that team one thing to kind of hang their hat on. It's a win over a team like this, right? Any of these six teams come in and beat an Iowa team, that makes their season. All of a sudden, yep. hey, yep. A, a, a mediocre season becomes, hey, but at least we we ruined we did it to Minnesota what yes. two years ago yep. Minnesota came in undefeated I didn't care about winning that game because I wanted to go to a better bowl I cared about winning that game because I didn't want Minnesota to go undefeated I wanted to play spoiler in that yep. game and now we got six teams who know us very well who we know very well who are just foaming at the mouth to, to take out Iowa and if you think of this Purdue team just as well what they've been under Brom high flying they're going to throw the ball down the field 
They're going to take shots all over the place, and they're still going to do that, obviously. That's what they do. Plumber's been really good when he's been healthy, their quarterback. The other one, O'Connell, inconsistent to say the least. They're not going to have Horvath, who absolutely gashed Iowa last year. That's yes. good in the run game. Yeah. How they gave up 160 yards to that guy after watching what that defense became is still baffling. But Purdue has a new defensive coordinator, and they're playing at a really high level on that side of the football. They're giving up just 301 yards per game. They're one of the top teams both against the pass and the rush in the Big Ten. So if you think this is just same old Purdue, it's just all offense, no defense, that's not the case with this team. Karloffis is one of the best players in the country up front. They're going to be making plays there. So, if again, you have this thought of Purdue and how they are, I'll tell you, this is going to be a different-looking team, I think, than many people expect. I think one of the biggest keys to this thing, I, I, I would really be scared about it if it was at Purdue. <laughs> Coming off a huge home victory, yeah. like you said, the emotion, everything, going crazy. Now you're number two team in the country, and now you got to go on the road and, 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 and play a team. Um, but being at home, that gives me – a little more, you know, confidence, I guess, or a little more optimism. And, and, and I think the other thing is, too, is when you have a great defense, you, you can't lose when it's 0-0. Zero to zero. Sure. You know, I mean, they, frankly, Penn State is a good example. They kept – the defense kept their team in the game. I mean, we had everything rolling for us, but their defense, yeah, twice down there we had first and goal, and we couldn't punch it in for a touchdown. Either one of those goes in for a touchdown, both of them, and you know, all of a sudden, that's eight more points for us. So, uh, as long as as long as the defense is playing at a really high level, uh, you know, and, and you're just avoiding those big plays, and it's it's just like somebody said, they're kind of like Iowa's defense is just kind of like a python. It just kind of keeps grabs you, holds on, squeezes, squeezes until you pop. And and it, our our defense, our kicking game, mm-hmm. boom. They're just they're just lights out right now. It's just so solid, right? It's just so are. solid everywhere. They're spectacular. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, yes. These interceptions and making fifty yard kicks by with ten yards to spare and 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 punting the ball down inside the ten yard line how many times and changing field position. I mean, that that's spectacular. That's Reggie Roby kind of stuff. I mean, you know. You don't, you don't see that all the time. No, and, and that's why I've kind of moved myself into the, the mental space. I did this Saturday evening. I thought about it more on Sunday. You know, I, I have always kind of been the take-it-one-game-at-a-time mm-hmm. fan, even though I know it doesn't matter what I think, right? Uh, but uh, I've always kind of done that. But I, I've I've gone beyond that at this point. I, I now expect Iowa to not just represent the West in the Big Ten championship game. Like, I expect them to go into that with a head of steam. Expect them to be twelve and zero. I guess maybe no. that's maybe that's a half step too far. That's a step and a half there. You think yeah. so? Yeah. T- I mean, let's talk about that it's because, tough. like, what is it that's holding you back from that? Because it's not what we've seen from those other six schools, and it's certainly not what we've seen from Iowa. It's just the like the hardest thing to, about winning twelve games is you have to actually win all twelve games, right? <laughs> it's like as dumb as that sounds. Like it's that's the hardest part. Uh, what what is the thing? I guess that's. They've, they've seemed to have answered all of our questions up until now. The hardest part of this, this schedule is over, right? We, yeah. We passed all of those tests. Amazingly well. Yeah, with flying colors, right? What is the thing that's holding you guys back? Because I, I sense it in you. I sense it yeah. in myself. I'm fighting through that in myself. <laughs> What's the thing that's holding you guys back from saying, not only are we the best team in the Big Ten West, not only may, may we be Kirk Ferentz's best team, we're the best team in the Big Ten and we're playing for a national championship. My first is just math. And this is something that I tried to explain to our friends up north this summer. Is yes, on paper, you were favored in, for them, 10 or 11 of the 12 games. But it's not as simple as that. And when you take a look at just very basic probability, the probability, even as I was going to be favored in probably every game, maybe, maybe not Wisconsin, maybe not Nebraska, right. but even say the four others that are favored by double digits in those four other games. To win all six of those games, the probability, doing a little quick math here, probably down around 5-6%. That's to win six straight against opponents that you're better than, coupled with two road games that are basically toss-ups when you take a look at the point spread. So that's the first part of it. It's just the simple math equation, and it's also scar tissue yeah. of being a Hawkeye fan. Yeah. And as great as 2015 was, this still does feel different. And the target is up even at a higher level now, I think, than it was even in that 2015 team. That was the plucky little underdog here. This is this elite defense. This special teams is as good as you're going to find. All these positive things out that are coming out, and I think because of that, Target's a lot better than it was six years ago, bigger than it was six years ago. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with you, too. It's, it's just, you know, you're a sprained ankle, 
You're, yeah. you're, you're a rollout play in the end zone like uh, Stanzi mm. against Northwestern. There, there, there's still a lot of variables. I mean, there are. Uh, you know, when, when Petrus tried to do that slide and just got hammered in a very awkward manner. I thought he was going to come. I, I mean, that, that thigh, I, oh, he was kind of limping. Boy. Here I we thought, go. uh-oh, yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, he's tough. He's tougher than you think he is. And uh, so, you know, there, there's always a lot of variables in any game. But the way we're creating turnovers, the way our defense is playing, the way our, our, our kicking game is, is just winning, you know, possession and, and, and field position and everything like that. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be exciting. There's no doubt about it. But uh, still tough to do. It but is. let's talk about even if they don't do it. Yeah. And th- and this is what I'm hearing. You know, even if they don't do it, we got a game and a half lead on everybody. Yes. In the uh, in the West, and so the and likelihood they're going to start playing each other now. Yeah, they're going to start playing each other and knock each other. So the likelihood of us getting to the championship game is high. Is high. Yes. It's, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. And short of get, a disaster, it's almost a certain. If you get to the championship game, you know what that means. Even with two losses, you're still going to the Rose Bowl in all likelihood. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just what that's just what it is. And so, when you start looking at it, six games through the season, you're going, ah, worst case, we're going to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> it's pretty damn wow. good. I mean, that's a good I spot mean, to I be. mean, I'd say that something crazy couldn't happen, and we could lose, we could lose three out of the next six. I suppose I don't think it's going to happen, but, but yeah, you know, for us to go totally undefeated, eh, it's going to be tough. But, you know, 2015 felt like each week you were kind of playing with fire, right? And it was like, okay, we got yeah. through that one. And you never really felt fully confident that they never this team clubbed was, was anybody that, like exactly. that. Exactly. Um, 2009, I think it was such a slow build after that slow start. The UNI game was at Arkansas State. 24-21. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, so it was such a slow build. And then when it finally kind of reached crescendo was that, you know, I guess after the Michigan State game, but going into that Northwestern game, and then it all kind of falls apart. And God, to see Ricky Stanzi against that Ohio State game. Uh, anyway, anyway, we're beyond that. That yeah, was 12 years ago, whatever. I know. I know what you're saying. This feels to me more like 2002, where unfortunately we had the early loss. But as we went through the Big Ten season, like I felt, and I was a student there, and maybe I was young and naive, but I felt like we were the best team in the Big Ten, oh, yeah. period. And there was nobody that was going to stop us. Obviously, that wasn't the case when we you know got to the bowl game. Uh, but I would have liked to see us play Ohio State that year. I would have liked to see us play anybody in the country that year. And that's how I'm starting to feel about this team. And that's why I feel a little differently this year than I have the last couple of times that Iowa has had a chance to, to have an undefeated season. Here's another great piece of that is 2015, they had to be perfect. They had to be perfect yes. because of their schedule. There was no if, ands, or buts. They had to be 13-0 to get to the college football playoff. If Iowa does stub their team, they do lose a game here in the regular season. They come back and they beat Ohio State. That's who it's going to be. It's going to be Ohio State yeah. that they'll play in the championship game. And they beat the Buckeyes. They're in the college football playoff, even with the loss. And I think that's what makes this equation even more exciting than 2015 is you do have at least a little bit of slack here on this rope that you don't have to be absolutely perfect for 13 straight weeks. If there is that loss, be it an upset or a tight one against Wisconsin or Nebraska, it's not over when you're thinking about that ultimate goal. Breaking through, getting there, and taking your shot against whoever it is out of the East, that's still going to be on the table. And that I think leads to the excitement even more for me too. Yeah, and you know th- this team, even in the last two or three years. I mean, I didn't see us going down to the Outback Bowl and beating Mississippi State a couple right. years ago, yeah. right? Um, and, and we did. We we're opportunistic there as well. I mean, we we created turnovers, we made plays, um, we hit a couple big pass plays. This team, uh, something's changed uh, with the offensive philosophy, with the defensive philosophy. Uh, it seems like maybe we're blitzing. We're, we're certainly blitzing better. I don't yeah. know if we're blitzing more, but we're blitzing better, and and, and we're just doing some things. Um, so I, you know, I, I game by game, you got to love their chances. As you look at six, it's a daunting task. But if we can win this week, mm-hmm. okay, then we got a bye week. Yes, you get people healthy, and mm-hmm. you can do some different things, and and then you can prepare for the for the rest of the rest of the the road, so to speak. And we man, still owe the and it looks good. Too, so. That's the thing. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, last year was great, but nobody was there. Well, and, and you know, we, the, yeah. we've had some yes. tough ones in camp. Right? Yes, yeah. So we go up there, we pound them, yeah. right? I, I think I, I'm not worried about Minnesota. I'm not worried about Illinois. That Nebraska game starting to loom large, but man. Yeah, they've that, had one couple of good games. That's the thing. They played well, but they haven't won. And how long can you sustain that? Especially at a program under Scott Frost that we've seen some issues, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen some some dysfunction. We've seen him throw t- players and, and his teams under the under the bus. Can can they stay together? Can they sustain if they're a four win team going into Black Friday? They don't do they have anything have, to play for. Do they have the motivation? Do they have the heart? Do they have what it would take to knock off an Iowa team that's playing for history? 
I, I just don't think so. So I, I'm not. So I'll say it since you guys want. We're going 12 and 0, baby. We're going 12 and 0. We're going to be favored in Indianapolis, and we're going to win a national title. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little worried about Georgia and Bama. Well, yeah. But hey, let's yeah. get there. Let's let's, let's, let's get there let's and play get to for the it, Big right? Ten championship, and then that's one game at a time. From but there, let's right? uh, be before that. Before we get out of here, um, let's do a, a quick prediction this week. Um, Iowa at 11, 12 ish favorite. It's kind of fluctuating a little bit depending on where you look. Um, I got it Sunday morning at 12 and I feel pretty confident about that I think Iowa as good as Purdue is as good as their game plan is as good as David Bell is the emotional letdown the target on the back all of that stuff I have confidence that I was going to go in and in the end it may not be a, a 14 point game at halftime but in the end I like Iowa to win by two touchdowns two touchdowns I do I am not there uh I am just hoping to win the game I don't care if it's 16 15 I don't care if it's 2 nothing. <laughs> Just find a way. This game, I think, as any, everybody that was listening to us tonight could tell, scares the crap out of me. I hate everything about it. I hate everything about their stupid big drum. Just find a way to beat our <laughs> bitter rival, Purdue. I don't care. Let's say 2019, Hawks get it done. Joe, where you at? Yeah, I, 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 I was talking to the best real estate agent in town, Jody Moyer, before this, and she's actually an Iowa State fan, but you know, maybe she doesn't know that much about football. But I was telling her, I don't know, there, there's just something about this season and there's something about this team, and, and I don't sense that they're, they're going to have this huge drop. I mean, I think they will, but I think they're still going to be very prepared, and I think the coaching staff is going to do certain things during practice to, to keep them motivated, to keep them up. And, 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 and I love the fact that the bye week – is next is a week from Saturday, yeah, and I, and I think it's like, hey guys, got one more game, yes, exactly, and mm-hmm. then you got two weeks to kind of rekindle everything. So, um, yeah, I, I think we get some turnovers. We're you know we we we've, we've continued to get turnovers. I don't think they're lucky. I don't think. I mean, we got cornerbacks that go to the ball, yes, and uh, and different things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 31-17. I I, I think we. Uh, Close game, mm-hmm. quite a while, and then I think we do a couple of things to win it. Yeah, I, I like us to pull away at the end. All right, that is the Hawkeye Nation radio show. If you've missed any of this, and this has been a fun show, <laughs> yeah. we're going to continue to High have energy. fun shows as uh, as Iowa continues to reel off. I want to try here. and do one on-site someplace, yes. uh, out, at, uh, out at the front row. So everybody, keep listening to the show. We'll try and get that out as, as good as we can. We're going to do a live show. Out at the front row. Yeah, follow one of these Thursday nights. Follow everything we got going on at HawkeyeNation.com. Rob Howe, John Bonenkamp, Rick Brown, all doing great work. Uh, Trent, you got your Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast, which I love on the feed right now. I just did an opposition research podcast, so check that out. We'll have an instant reaction after the game. All of that great stuff going on at HawkeyeNation.com. Again, if you missed any of this show, it'll be up in your podcast feed in mere minutes. Joe, Trent, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.